When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. Coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me is the full CHGO White Sox crew. We got Vinny Duber on my far left. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And you can read his latest piece up at allchgo.com about Michael Kopech and how Brian Bannister seems to uh, be honing in on Kopech uh, as his off, one of his offseason priorities. Sorry. Um, anyways, that's Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. That, that, right? What? Did, did I sell your piece poorly? I mean, it's all about Kopech and Bannister, and maybe maybe Bannister's arrival will fix, or, you know, will help them fix Michael Kopech. They need Michael Kopech because they don't have any other starting pitchers. So, I mean, besides Dylan C. So, it's... Uh, important to get him fixed you looked at me funny so i don't know i just didn't know if you said you were you seem to be in one of those zones where you were just going to keep going as as herb is playing sound over there. no that was me oh okay my bad you seem to be in one of those zones where you were just going to keep talking and talking and talking and i really wanted to see where that sentence was going to end up (laughs) i i really got to go back to school and learn like how to build a sentence uh i think just ending one (laughs) that's fair yeah Yeah. just periods you can uh, people don't realize that they can use multiple sentences that's true yeah they think they got to get it all out in one i take your time folks we'll try to break down my thoughts give you them piece by piece word by word Sentence by sentence, you know, I'll just really break it down to the minutia. Still waiting for that period. No oh boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like this. See, I gotta right go back to school. What? I like this right here: the Chicago flag hat, the sh- oh, shirt, the pants that match, in the shoes. Look at you. Well, they're I, out here. Yeah, I mean, I actually have darker shoes than this, to be honest. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I actually didn't do my best with the shoes. You're out here, um, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I did feel very proud when uh, I walked in and NFL tight end Cole Komet was wearing the same hoodie as me. Um, obviously, he is about. Um, eight inches taller than me different size yeah, yeah about different sized know, hoodie i would imagine 50 to 60 pounds bigger than me um and he's faster and stronger but you know i mean we wore the same hoodie so i felt very uh cool today teammates so, there we go. yeah we're exactly we're teammates same um you know me justin fields cole Komet, all teammates in different ways maybe i'm not teammates with justin fields but I'm teammates with Cole Komet, and he's teammates with Justin Transitive Fields. property. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, we're not going to be talking about But you're also the- teammates with Greg Braggs. Unfortunately. Well, you didn't even say, hey, uh, Greg's with us today or anything. That's true. Uh, Greg Bragg is producing us today. Uh, the same Greg Braggs who said, uh, I can't wait to scream at Sean Anderson. Uh, and that was one of his favorite parts of his job is that he gets to scream at me. So, uh, so happy to have Greg on board today. My favorite part. Um, so we're going to talk about the uh, White Sox offense in 2023. Uh, we'll d- deep dive into uh, some just truly gaudy numbers for you uh, into the White Sox struggles uh, this year. Um, but let's start off with something that I actually didn't prep you guys on, but it happened. Uh, Jose Abreu has hit his first playoff home run. Second. Right? 2020 second? against the Oakland Athletics. And how, how quickly I forget. Yeah. What game was that? Uh, it was not one, I don't think. 
Adam Angle had the first homer in that series for the Sox, I remember. But of course. Yeah. Uh, it might have been two. I don't really remember. Maybe it was game one. But yeah. Um, it was that series. I can tell you that much. And off the Twins, too. So it's always good to bludgeon the Twins up 4 nothing as we started this recording. I hope the Astros, and it's so sacrilegious for me to say this, go on to win it. It's more me cheering against the Twins than me rooting for the Astros because I could give a goddamn if they win the thing, but they happen to play in a team I do not like more than the uh, the Twins, so let's go Astros. Uh, <laughs> At least Jose Abreu. You're cheering on Jose Abreu. Uh, it was game one, uh, uh, third inning. After Adam Angle, though. After Adam Angle. Adam Angle hit his uh, home run off Jesus Lizardo uh, in the uh, second inning. Jose Abreu went deep in the third inning of game one. Uh, how quickly you forget. So, uh, damn. But, hey, we were talking about it all last offseason. Turns out Jose Abreu did uh, still have some magic in that old silk hat. <laughs> I guess he did. <laughs> you know, hey, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see Frosty had a, a second life after that first movie. The first movie was very good. They didn't. I mean, not a lot of people saw Frosty, too. Yeah, isn't it Frosty's uh, Happy New Year or something I, like that? Is it? I Frost, actually was Frosty Two taking it to the streets. Yeah, I think it's Frosty Two taking it to the streets. <laughs> Back in the habit. <laughs> yeah, electric boogaloo. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, Abreu hitting that homer, obviously off the Twins, uh, good. It, it's with the Astros, so again, I, I really don't care. Um, it, it's it's. You like to see Jose Abreu do a good thing. That's true. It yeah. took him a while though. To hit a home run? Yeah, I mean, we'll just kind of be... I mean, I'm surprised he was batting fifth. I know he was moved down a bit he, in the uh, Astros lineup throughout the year. He was hot at the end of the year, and I believe I read something the other day said he had a... Was it a back injury? It was some sort of injury he had all year and didn't tell anybody about. White Sox. Classic. And then <laughs> he finally told somebody about it once it was gone, and now he's raking again. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, he, he went on the... Uh, he was reinstated back on August 23rd. Now I get to see what, he, uh, what he's been hitting since then. Imagine if it was just that, though. Like, you know, oh, yeah, my back's been hurting, and it's been extreme pain. I just need 15 days off. Do um, you think that would have helped with Andrew Benatendi at all with the, the hammock bone, or should I just stop? Yes. Um, I, I mean, Drink. again, you know, who, who, who would have thought that rest would help players uh, who are injured it's it's a novel novel idea uh, abreu in those games uh, 31 games uh, after coming off the il uh, 845 ops eight homers seven doubles and hey why not a triple for good measure too uh so yeah that's that's more normal jose abreu with a 530 slugging percentage and hey he's got two more years left on that contract too that's true. So thankfully, there's still some uh, still some magic in that old silk hat uh, for the next two years. Um, yeah, not worth six million uh, for three years, but also, I mean, the Astros are just kind of weird. I know they just like let people go as well in their their front office. I think their contracts expired, but like their assistant GM and their uh, regional scouting GM. I know that they're they just got Dana Brown as their new GM. Uh, so maybe he's just trying to filter out some old people and get some new ones in. Uh, but. Again, do you want to mess with perfection there? Hey, I mean, they don't the Astros seem, have won a lot. They don't seem to have any qualms about shaking things up, do they? I mean, no. whether it's uh, you know whether it's firing the GM after you win the World Series, which is uh, an odd move, uh, you know, making the playoffs this year and making some changes in the front office. Obviously, they brought in Dusty Baker. That has just worked perfectly for them. Uh, you know, they, Carlos Correa left. I mean, they just keep on keeping on. I mean, this is, this is the thing. Everybody, uh, you know hates the Astros, but they have been the model really on how to not just go from nothing to, you know, that full rebuild process, but to build it so it keeps going. It's been kind of a self-sustaining machine now for the last, what, 
10 years almost. I mean, this is a, a, a team that basically is automatically in the LCS every season. Um, I know nobody, uh, again, nobody likes the Astros, but if there's a team out there that you want to model yourself after, it's that one. Yeah, they struggled all year long pretty much, and there's a point where people are like, are they going to make the playoffs? And then, of course, they astroed up and won the AL West. And now Got Verlander back. Yeah, now they're a little down, down uh, I mean, one-to-one, one and now up uh, versus the Minnesota Twins in Game 3. So same old Astros, same old uh, already going to, you know, struggle through a couple games and then look like the Astros again. And I hope some other team beats them, but please get through these Minnesota twins before you do, because them winning the Minnesota twins winning this, this uh, series is a dangerous thing because they have some people and I'm very scared of them winning the AL and going to the World Series. I don't know if anybody outside of the Lone Star State is going to care, but Astros Rangers for the for a trip Ooh. to the World Series would be kind of cool, wouldn't That'd it? Be fun. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Rays were the best team, but they've suffered so many injuries, and obviously they're not even in the playoffs anymore, so they can't be in the, the ALCS. But I, I think, if anything, seeing the AL West matchup, if it can't be one of those great AL East teams, uh, seeing an AL West matchup is going to be great. Because the, the AL Central is bad. We know this. I mean, even the White Sox GM knows this. They don't deserve to be in the ALCS. Um, the Orioles would be fun, but, I mean, they're on a pretty I mean, <laughs> tough, rocky road right Texas, here. Texas, man. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm all for an and ALCS. West. I believe it, aside from the silly Crosstown Cup that is not real, uh, the only rival college football-style rivalry trophy game in baseball I believe is Astros and uh, Rangers. Really? Do they not battle for the silver boot? I was wondering. Don't they have a boot? That'd I didn't know great. they had a boot. Lone Star Series. Yeah. Is there a boot? I think there's a silver boot. And just drink out it's of it. It's known as the Silver Boot Series, but I don't know if there's a. Tra- oh, maybe they've discontinued the uh, boot. Boo! Get a silver boot <laughs> and you drink out of it every damn time you win it. Just go down to Cavender's no. Boot City, buy a boot, spray paint it silver. There you go. It looks like, uh, I don't know if it's still in service, but there's definitely a boot. There was at one point a boot. Uh, The silver boot was born back in June 8th, 2001. So I I think the silver boot's still around. Yeah, uh, the silver boot's still around, folks. And it's great. The Crosstown Pillar or whatever it is now, KPW brings up there's a Reds Guardians Cup. No, it needs to be silly. Silver boot is silly and thematically appropriate. It, it, It... it's the it's the pinnacle of this. Luke Stuckmeyer and I took a silly photo with the BP slash Wintrust Club Cup uh, this year when we were at. It's the, no longer a cup, right? It's a little pillar. Well, yeah, yeah. The only thing silly about it was just Luke and I. It's it's a it's a pretty boring trophy. Very boring. Um, Didn't the Cubs I, people almost beat you guys up for almost touching it? No, I thought Luke was like like he almost touched the cup and they were like, hey, hey, hey get away from the BP Cup. That's sacred. Not a cup. <laughs> I mean, no. No, no. Um, no, no longer sponsored by BP. No, yeah, it I, I don't think that people care. Um, I think you probably could have stole that and people weren't even paying attention. Um, so, no, I mean, this isn't like the secret service of the, the not a cup trophy. Um, but, yeah, if, to picture the Lone Star Series trophy, picture a cowboy boot mm-hmm. and then picture it being silver. Yeah. Boom. Thanks. There you go. Um, yeah, going back to... You really paint a mental picture for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's a real tool of mine. Uh, you mentioned, though, this has been going on for like 10 years for the Astros. Uh, I just always think back to Sports Illustrated. Uh, there was that t- uh, 
cover graphic with uh, George Springer on the the title or whatever. Uh, George Springer is the cover athlete. Um, and Ben Ryder wrote, your 2017 World Series champions, as we know, they cheated their way there. Um, but on June 30th, 2014... He's making that prediction. Who's going to win the World Series three years later? Uh, ends up making it correctly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they started hitting their groove. It wasn't 2017 was their first year actually making it to the playoffs. But um, oh, I mean, had, it started that kind of climb, uh, you know, around 2013. So, yeah, I mean, this has been a, a project that's been around for 10 years. They keep making the LCS. I mean, they've made so <laughs> many Final Fours, and there might be just a couple of wins away from uh, from do or one win. I guess they are currently a couple of wins away from doing it again, uh, perhaps after today, only one win. Yeah, and I remember that area. That era was like, okay, the Cubs are rebuilding at this time, the Astros are rebuilding this time, and when the Cubs won in 16, the White Sox started to, and then it got reinforced, the 17 winners of the Astros, like, okay, we've seen them rebuild, now we're doing the same, here we go. In 2023, the White Sox will be the World Series champions. No, they didn't do like the Cubs did and supplement their roster with the top of the rotation starter or Jason Hayward, even though that didn't even work. And they didn't do like the Astros did would bring up a bunch of kids who worked out. And the same thing with the Cubs, all their prospects worked out. Every single one of the Cubs prospects worked out and none of them were hurt except for Kyle Schwarber early in that season. And then he came back for the World Series and dominated there too. So I was like, oh, if those two teams can do a game plan and do a rebuild and get the final result of being a World Series winner, God damn it, the White Sox will do the same. <sighs> Alas. And hey, don't leave the Royals out of that. They did it the, kind of their own way. Obviously, it wasn't the exact same Thing. A lot of those players had been in this in the system and even on the major league team for quite some time. But um, I think you got to kind of count them as a team that did it with a bulk of prospects that they called up, and it was that was the team, and it worked out. Obviously, they went out and got some outside guys too. But um, the Astros, out of all those teams, are really the only ones that have sustained it. it. The Cubs have gone down and now are coming back up. The Royals have gone down and not come back up. Uh, the White Sox, as we know, failure to launch pretty much on that <laughs> one. Um, and it looks like the Braves are going to be the the next example uh, of, of the way to do it. They did the same thing that the White Sox did in locking up all their guys a little more impressively, perhaps, with, with the number of players they were able to sign to long-term contracts. Uh, but those guys stayed healthy, and those guys have become the best players in yeah. baseball. <laughs> they lost their first baseman in Freddie Friedman. They're like, mm, let's go get Matt Olson. And then they're like, eh, we like uh, Travis Darnold's catcher, but let's get a better catcher. Sean Murphy. Yeah, and let's, hey. let's go ahead and knock that out. So the, when it was time to go and acquire talent, they got it, supplement their roster, and then Darno last night hits a big time home run. I was about to say. I mean, they, they got. They, I mean, they got, just got two great catchers. Yeah, it's, it's a good problem it's, to have. Man, must be <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, and uh, KPW saying the ALCS should just stand for the uh, Astros League Championship Series. Before we take a break, uh, let's take a little quiz here. The Astros have been in the American League since. Uh oh. Recently. 2010? Mm. More recently than that? More recently than that. Let's say 2012. 2013. Okay. Correct. From Lawrence. Going to six. If they make it to another one, they will have gone to seven ALCS. Yeah. Seven of 11. Seven of 11. So 63% of their American League years have been spent in the American League Championship Series. The White Sox as a team have gone to three 
American League Championship Series. Obviously, the White Sox have been in the American League since 1901, but the ALCS hasn't been a thing since 1901. So, you know, we'll give them a little bit of credence there, but uh, not not good stats there. If the the Astros make it to their seventh ALCS in 11 tries and the White Sox have been, you know, around since... The ALCS has been ex- has been invented since the Astros have joined the American League. They've made would you say seven? Well, if they if they make it this if time, they, yeah, seven they win. Uh, seven ALCSs. The White Sox have won two playoff games. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Vinny. I appreciate that. And I believe, as you said, today is the anniversary of the most recent one. Right? It is over Larry. the Houston Astros. Larry. So take that, Yimmy Garcia. <laughs> Where is Leary Garcia? At the house counting his money. Mercy. Hey, we he should post have... a lot of Instagram stories like driving ATVs around. Baby. We should try to get Leary Garcia on the podcast. Should we? Yeah, why not? Mm. What is he doing? What are we ATVs? Doing? Enjoying his life. Exactly. <laughs> he's got, so he's he, got 16, well, at least, what, another 5 million coming to him next year. He brings some fun to the podcast. Come on. I mean, he seemed like a vibes guy. Uh, ALCS has been around since 1969, by the way. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll let you know about some of our great sponsors, and then we'll get into the bad, bad, bad White Sox offense that uh, Leary Garcia wasn't a part of in 2023. Uh, Want to let you know about our friends over at Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Are you in the market for a new vehicle? If you are, then we have some great news for you. Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram in Fox Lake have just joined the CHGO team at Ray CDJR. You'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and find unforgettable savings. And right now, during Ram Power Days, at Ram CDJR only in Fox Lake, you'll be able to secure 0% financing or 17% off new Ram models. And that's not all. Through October 31st, you can explore newly renovated showroom, their newly renovated showroom, and take advantage of limited time seven-year anniversary savings. So if you're in the new market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram because they are the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake for more information. Information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com today, serving the community since 1963. Also want to let you know about our friends over at Circa Sportsbook, and it is a big day in Chicago. Connor Bedard is making his NHL debut. We have the CHGO Hawks team in Pittsburgh for that, so we have a live pre- and post-game show uh, coverage for Connor Bedard's debut. Mario Greg and Jay are all in Pittsburgh, ready to cover uh, Bedard's debut. And uh, Circa Sportsbook has you covered for uh, Connor Bedard's debut as well. Circa is going to be putting up. Wow. That'll wake you up. Thanks, Greg. No one's like driving and listening to these. That's not going to scare the ever-living hell out of anybody. My God. Oh, my God. Ooh. Sorry. we got to put a warning. What time Ooh. is this thing? Oof. i got to remind myself to put a warning for the people. Audio All warning. Right. Greg's a people dick. People listen to the, you know, <laughs> headphones God, for, God forbid anybody's got high blood pressure out there. Jesus. I think Yikes. I have it after that. <laughs> um, Circus Sportsbook, Tell Illinois. Todd right now. Todd Welter already. He's going to listen tomorrow. Don't listen at 20 <laughs> minutes in, 1850 in. Uh, <laughs> you going to do anything else, Greg, or are we good? It's going to scare the All fuck right, out good. of us again. <laughs> you never know when Braggs is behind the board. 
Uh, Circus Sports Illinois is going to be putting up goal and shot props for Connor Bedard's every game. Uh, in today's game, he is at plus 195 to score a goal, minus 225 to not score, and his shots on goal are set at two and a half. The over is at minus 150. The under is at plus 130. So download the Circus Sports Book app today at circusports.com slash Illinois dash app. That's circusports.com slash Illinois dash app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. We got a tailgate coming up on Sunday on October 15th. We got one coming up next Sunday as well on the 22nd. Uh, on the 15th, the Bears take on the Vikings. On the 22nd, the Bears take on the Raiders. So make sure you're checking out the best tailgate in the city and you can go to uh, allchgo.com slash events uh, for tickets there. Anything you want to say, Greg, since that's kind of your, your event here? I want to apologize to Alejandro. Uh, he says, damn, I'm driving and rip my headphones out. Technically, Alejandro, I think it is illegal to yeah. wear headphones while you're driving. It is. No. Also, he's commenting while driving. Commenting right. while he's driving, <laughs> wearing headphones while he's driving. But yes, tailgates. Um, yeah, Greg, Greg's goal horn was the issue to, there. Yes, right back to the tailgates. Uh all you can drink, Goose Island. All you can eat, Firewater Barbecue. Vibes are included. Yeah, and uh, some circuit people will be out there too to help uh, you set up if you uh, if you're having trouble with with the app at all. Um, and two, uh, all the people that run the lovely Circa Resort uh, and Casino in Las Vegas run the Circa Sportsbook app, so you know that uh, it's real people that are dealing with your issues on the Circa Sportsbook app if you have any. Uh, so again, if you you or some you know. Uh, may have a gambling problem, uh, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, or text GMB-833-234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. Uh, all right, let's jump into some offensive stats. Um, I do have some debut stuff for Connor Bedard-related. You know, I mean, this is obviously the biggest, or one oh, of the biggest debuts. You're going to bring up that Yoan Moncada walk, aren't you? No. Uh, <laughs> I was going to have you guys bring up oh, the Yoan Moncada I was walk. in the seats for that one. I, I was, no, yeah, I was there for that one and uh, the Kopech one. Uh, we'll get into it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some uh, uh, historic debuts or memorable debuts uh, in White Sox history a little bit later. Um, but what I want to get into is some research I did on the awful, awful White Sox um, mm-hmm. offense. One thing, too, uh, James Feagan was on the score today, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, he brought up, he said he was talking to a White Sox player last month, uh, and the White Sox player said he remember when he told James uh, before the season that they were going to have a lot of urgency this year. Uh, and he, then the player said, we didn't have any urgency, not even in spring training. So that's not a great quote, but it kind of reflects 101 losses. Um, I thought that was definitely interesting. Just, you know, we hear so much about effort and, you know, how important that is to Pedro Grafol. You know, I, I understand why he's returning, but it's just not a lot of uh, great quotes that are coming out from this season that really build confidence in Pedro Griffel. To me, just from an outside observation, it looks like Pedro allowed the players to be adults and police themselves and want to learn if there was anybody in the room that would take the lead before he actually did. I think that's... Kind of good, but also he saw what this team did the years before when he was in Kansas City, and he knows that they're not self-starters. They're not a bunch of leaders that are on the team that are getting their players to have the urgency that you were speaking about. I think, yeah, it was a little foolish, and I hope this year in this offseason he's like, hey, I got to take the reins of this team and immediately let them understand that from game one and maybe even spring training – we need to get going. We need to play like we practice and practice like we play and have urgency from game one because they all matter. And 
I hope that is the lesson learned and that he is laying down the hammer because obviously he gave them a chance to be adults and to be leaders. None of nobody stepped up. And so as the leader, de facto as the manager, he needs to crack the whip and I don't like using that term. He needs to start being a little bit more demonstrative, being a little bit more their boss than just allowing uh, human adults to be human adults. I want him to be like, hey, you guys messed it up last year. It's my it's Pedro time now. Yeah, I mean, I think he had said it. Pedro it's, time. It's Pedro, Pedro time. Pedro time. It's Pedro time. <laughs> God damn it. There's a hashtag for you. Um, I think he said it as much at, at some point in the year that that was his approach, that he was going to go in and, and kind of – not necessarily feel out, but let the guys do their thing. And um, even if he saw the result uh, from across the field when Kansas City played the White Sox in 2022, doesn't mean that he knew how they were getting there, right? And so I think for you to step onto the job in some cases with some of these players, they've been here years, years and years. You know what I mean? Tim Anderson, even guys like Moncada and and, and Deloy, they're established, um, you know, presences we'll say that um and so to walk into that and be like all right i'm gonna change everything and show you what's what kind of thing that could have a very negative effect as well right mm-hmm. and so i get why he would take that approach heck tony Larusa, who's got the rings to back up walking in there and saying okay you're gonna do things my way refused to do that yep. he came in and said all right I'm, I'm gonna you know adapt to you guys i'm gonna learn what's going on here um so obviously that doesn't work uh, with this bunch of White Sox, probably too late until Pedro did decide to to kind of take charge of things. We'll see if it works starting from the get-go, right? I mean, we'll see if he shows up after a year of being in that clubhouse, after a year of having the guys know how he wants to do things. We'll see if he can show up on day one of spring training and say, all right, it's my way or the highway kind of thing. Or are those guys going to be like, yeah, okay, we've been through this three <laughs> times before. Like, we know we know we're going to be here at the end of the day. Um, and that's a tough, that's a tough way to, to have it go. That's not necessarily Pedro's fault. Nope. Right. But it's uh, something that they need to figure out as an organization or else this is never going to get fixed. Um, and no, we put the trophy on the table to remind all media, uh, just teams that we are a force to be reckoned with. Um, we can have our own wins as CHGO. It doesn't have to be White Sox related. Uh, just to answer Blank Name's question, do we put a trophy on the table to help us uh, remind what winning was like? We I don't mean, play for the White Sox. We, we didn't lose those games. Right. We don't play for the White Sox. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. I just, just that CHGO effort in 2023 um you see a burgeoning team in 2022 you know we didn't really have uh, our, our footing in 2023 we, really we we exploded and it's just kind of to to just show the world and you maybe know, the white Sox, chicago white Sox can follow suit because we were terrible in 2022 winning is contagious it is you know yeah there you go hitting so us too everybody go cough on somebody else and <laughs> pretty soon everybody in town will be winning did you cough on cole Komet today Maybe. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, make sure you hit the thumbs up button, too. We appreciate everyone hanging out with us and uh, uh, watching. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we can get into one thing before we get into all these stats that I can throw at you. Um, White Sox Daily and Ian Eskridge does a great job uh, over there with White Sox Daily, clipping a lot of uh, minor league highlights and, and p- posting those all the way from you know low A to triple A. Um, but he had an interview with Andy Barquette, uh, who was recently uh, let go um, as system hitting coordinator, I believe is his, uh, his uh, full, or what was his former um, title. Something uh, like that, yes. It was, Hitting yeah. coordinator, yeah. Yes. Um, 
system, yeah, new system hit hitting coordinator. Um, and what Barquette, what really stuck out was uh, his comments on Oscar Colas. Um, I know you thought that it was kind of similar to what Pedro Grafolt told you in your one-on-one interview, uh, Vinny, but here's what Barquette said. Um, and again, a long line of now firings for the White Sox, at least on the hitting side, uh, Barquette, Castro, um, and then Johnson being reassigned. Uh, but Oscar is a very talented young player with very little experience at, experience. at the end of the day, being a major league hitter is something that's like holistic. Uh, you just can't get there because you can hit a ball 450 feet and you have this excellent velocity and so forth. Uh, there's so much more to it than that. And that there's so much more component you learn through at bats, you learn through failure, you learn through growth and you learn through falling on your face in the minor leagues and picking yourself back up and grinding through 140 game seasons and the ups and downs and ebbs and flow of that. And that's where major league hitters are developed. Oscar really didn't have that luxury last year. He was able to go through a season and in his first year in the United States uh, and get that type of experience, which was great. But then obviously now we were in a situation as an organization or they were in a situation as an organization where they needed help immediately in the big leagues and his talent level. Uh, they thought that they can give him a shot and he would be able to contribute. I think collectively, if you were to ask us all in the minor leagues, I don't think that we thought he was ready just yet. He needed another year in the minor leagues to play and learn and fail and learn about pitch selection and learn about pitch metrics and learn about developing a game plan and approach every day to the pitchers and to the team you're facing. And I think you probably learned all of those lessons this year. Um, What do we make of, uh, first off, another firing and uh, more adjustments from Chris Getz to his uh, system? I thought it was funny that Brian Bannister brought up that he worked with Andy Barquette in Boston was like, hey, I'm working with Andy Barquette again. No, you're not. what do we make of more firings and what do we make of, uh, again, more people speaking out on the Oscar Colas, quote unquote, rushing to the big leagues in 2023? Well, I think you're going to get into here in a little bit just how poor the offense has been, obviously, in 2023, but the last couple of years now. Um, and you're seeing it kind of from a fundamental standpoint, right? I mean, the complaints from now multiple managers about this lineup is that the strikes, they're not good at controlling the strike zone. They don't really – it's not that they don't maybe know what they're doing. They're just not doing it, right? Um, the whole chasing pitches, which was so exemplified by the way Luis Robert Jr. used to hit and and got better at doing so in 2023 – has kind of been a lineup-wide issue for this team the last couple of years. And so as they are maybe looking forward to more guys coming up from the minor leagues to try to – get into this lineup they probably want to make sure that they're not doing the same things that have been crippling the big league lineup for the last couple of seasons um you look at a guy like Colson Montgomery his numbers the on-base percentage is through the roof and I think that's probably something that they'd like to model uh you know model the whole the whole system after um also too you got a new GM and, and and a guy who was a player himself maybe just a new way of looking at things and new values when it comes to hitting um certainly there's going to be a new voice or, or perhaps multiple of them at the major league level, if the reports are correct about the guys uh, leaving Pedro Grafol's staff. So um, new, a new concept, a, a new strategy, and, and certainly maybe a, even a new way to attack it if you're talking about the way they're doing things at the minor league level system-wide. So um, I don't think, I mean, certainly not yet. There hasn't been somebody who's stepping in with that job title that Bannister has on the hitting side, right? There's no hitting, you know, grand poobah, so to speak. Senior advisor to hitting. Yeah, so to speak, at the the major league level in the front office. But maybe they could be taking that upon the entire organization and say we're going to have that kind of filter down to everybody, but it can't be what it's been the last couple of years. Not saying that that's anybody's 
who's lost their job's fault, right? Because, heck, the two guys who were at the major league level were here for the first time. This was their first year. Um, And, uh, you know, Luis and Tim and and, uh, plenty of others were swinging at pitches way outside the strike zone well before they got here. So um, we'll see how it shakes out. But um, Chris Getz looking to uh, get something new going, at least uh, in the hitting department when it comes to the entire organization, it looks like. I'm a fan of Chris Getz taking the reins and saying, hey, I know these people. I've been in this organization for seven years, and maybe Chris Johnson could be better used in the minor leagues, and we can get a better major league system, which filters down to our minor leagues, because what he saw wasn't working. I'm glad that he saw what we saw, because none of this was working in the minor leagues. And I love that Barquette said that they should have had Oscar Colas down in the minor leagues. Cause I said that the whole off season that he yes, performed well in that one year, but you need to have the struggles of a regular minor leaguer. That's why usually teams like going with a certain number, like a thousand at bats down in the minor leagues, 1500. I think that's what Aloy Jimenez had about 1500 plus to have ebbs and flows, have some successes, have some failures, adjustments to what the pitchers are doing to you in different leagues. And that would have been good to have for Oscar Colas. And it seemed the maturity wasn't there either. Like either emotional and mental maturity for Oscar Colas to do the right things, to listen to direction, to listen to what coaching's telling you to do and to adjust to what, what that is. And so I'm good with Chris shaking up the hitting thing, because as you're going to share, their hitting organizational wide was poor and in the major specifically really poor and so they need to get better and i'm glad he found a like well, i hope he finds a person that can come up here and give a philosophy for the white Sox up and down that works getting on base is the key to the white Sox. not necessarily hitting home runs getting on base and scoring runs is what the white Sox need to do as you look at the teams in the playoffs right now they're all on base they're all hitting they're all hitting home runs and the white Sox need to get to that well and herb when you talk you brought up colas and the obvious opinion among some that he needed more seasoning in the minor leagues it was josh barfield who told us at the end of the season that it can't be a one-size-fits-all approach to the number of at-bats someone needs in the minors so and so and so that only tells me more that if the, if the new guys are coming in and saying, well, the thing that we need is the one-on-one approach, the, hey, we need to do what's best for the player, not just for everybody kind of thing, it tells me even more that there was a failure at some point, at somewhere in the decision-making tree, right, in identifying that Oscar Colas was ready for, for that major league job because obviously he wasn't. The organization realized that very quickly when and, and sent him down mm-hmm. twice in the same season. Um you know, but it was obviously a failure on somebody's part. And to be fair, he looked pretty good in spring training, but a failure on somebody's part to say as far back as November yes. last year, you know, a year ago saying, hey, that guy could be the guy. That guy could be our starting right fielder. Really made it seem like they had made that decision already. Damn. And um, you would have liked to think that that they would have realized after just watching him in 2022 that that wasn't the case because clearly when he got here, it wasn't the case. Yes, and uh, to get into some of these stats as well, um, AJ bringing up the Sox never had an offensive identity in a full season. Um, That was pretty true, and it it was mostly painful just because in 2021 we saw how well they did at walking, and I'm just not sure how much that was Yasmani Grandal and Yohan Moncada. 
because now we see in 2022, Grandal and Mancata playing less, same in 2023. The walk rate just completely falls off for this team. Um, and really, outside of Luis Robert, you could say that this was the worst offensive team in baseball. Like, if they didn't have Luis Robert Jr. in 2023, this easily would have been the worst offensive team, I think, in baseball. Um, it, it was horrendous to watch, and I don't know if they really ever had that identity, I think is the one thing. Like, um, AJ brought up... Well, just because you just because it's negative doesn't mean it's not an identity. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> um I guess, like, an identity that, like... They were trying to have. Right, right. yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, AJ brought up a little bit earlier, like, he, he didn't know how much of a leader Abreu was. And then we see the first comments that Abreu makes when he goes to Houston, and he says that they weren't a family, um, the White Sox. And I think it's very... It makes sense that he went to Houston, because you have Altuve, you have Bregman, you have, I mean, now Verlander coming back. You have Alvarez. You have Tucker. Like, you don't have it's to established. be the guy. Yeah. Um, even Maldonado, in some ways, like a very respected catcher. Um, in, in no way is anyone looking at Abreu to be the guy. He was supposed to be the guy and more for the White Sox. Um, we also don't know if they were even offering him a contract. But, like, I don't think the White Sox ever identif or, uh, identified a, or built an identity from 2019 to 2023. And that was the biggest issue. They just were trying to put a, a lot of talent on the field. Yeah, I can tell you what their identity really... was supposed to be. It was supposed to be hit a ton of home, home runs. runs. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And I think but it, didn't, but it didn't happen. No. Right. And I think <laughs> what masked all the lack of walking from everybody else other than Yoan and uh, Yasmani is the greatness of Tim. Top of the order, not getting on a ton of the time, like 330, but hitting getting hits, setting the tone that way. And that's why this offense looks so bad this year because Tim was so poor. And then you follow him up with Andrew Benintendi, who eventually led the team with a 324 on base, but that's very, very low. And with no power from either of the two guys, six home runs combined, what are you doing there? You're starting off your games, and you could see when you're going against a tough team like the Kansas City Royals, when they have people at the top of the lineup that are tough, even though they're not that great that Bobby Witt Jr. is a tough at bat because he's going to get on base and when he gets on base he's going to steal and we're going to steal another base or he's going to hit a home run that never never happened with the White Sox and so you're starting the first inning off with three up three down with seven pitches pitched that was the approach and that's why the identity I don't think ever got to where it needed to be that's why you will have Luis Robert hitting almost 40 home runs but well short of the 100 RBIs you're absolutely right on the TA front I mean here's the thing just picture that t even if everybody else is, is struggling the way they struggled last year or and the year before, for that matter. If T.A. is T.A. Yeah. the last two years, you've got a guy who's immediately putting pressure on the pitcher, right? Maybe he only sees one pitch, but he deposited into right field and he's standing on first base. He's fast. Immediately, the game is changed, and the, the, the ball is in the White Sox court, to use uh, a, a metaphor from another sport, right? I mean, they have the advantage in that they are pushing the envelope right there. When T.A. can't do that, all of a sudden, the advantage is overwhelmingly the pitchers because TA's just out yes, the vast quickly. majority of the time and quickly, right? Benintendi's having his struggles. Like, it's not like he has this thing that he needs to do, right? We heard about Benintendi. He's so from Pedro. The, part of the reason he's so valuable is because he 
does the little things in all the situational moments that he's supposed to do them in. If every time, if every situation he comes up in <laughs> is just bases empty one out, right? I mean, how is he getting, how is he showing his value to you by getting TA to second or to third base, right? I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It all, it all fell apart because those top two guys were not able to do what they were brought in to do. And granted, so many, that applies to so many of the other guys throughout the lineup. But you talk about establishing an identity you want it to be one of our leadoff man's going to be on base because he just got a hit, and then everybody else is going to hit the ball over the fence. Neither of those things happened, and so the White Sox are left with their identity being they swing at pitches outside the zone too much. <laughs> Which they do. Right. Um, let's get into that part because ew, uh, it, it was it, – it, the number. I'm going to read a lot of numbers, and I don't think any of them are going to make anyone feel uh, good. Um, so they didn't really get on base – they had 24 batters, um, like register a plate appearance. How many? Oh my God! Do we have to guess all of them? No. Okay. Well, you can, well, Tyler gonna, Naquin. We're gonna do that on Friday. Um, oh, all right. Jesus. Remember Tyler Naquin. 24 batters. How many had an on base percentage over 330? 24. None. none zero. None. Yeah. yeah zero. Exactly. <laughs> um, only only the Giants had more batters with a uh, on base percentage under 330. Uh, the Giants had 25. The White Sox had 24. But so did they have one? Did they have more, one or more with an on-base percentage of 330? That's a good question to ask, Vinny. Um, that's a very, very solid question to ask. I could look it up. Um, you can do it later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I got it right here. It's a laptop. It's, it's, it's right at my fingers. Um, so that's the th- first thing I'll bring up, uh, just because, again, the, the discipline is horrible. There's no real identity. Um, this was tied for the 65th worst offensive season in baseball history Oof. by any team they had an OPS of 83, an OPS plus of 83. Um, this was a minimum of 161 games played. So, you know, try to get a full season. And if you got one rained out, we'll, we'll allow it. But tied for the 65th worst uh, offensive season in baseball history. This is the third worst offensive season in team history. Only a 1986 team had a worse OPS plus. They had an OPS plus of 80. Uh, and 1968, had, the 1968 team had an OPS plus of 77. Uh, again, the 2023 team had an OPS plus of 83. Uh, this was the ninth lowest walks in baseball history with 377. It was the third worst since 2000. The 2002 Tigers had less, uh, 363 walks. Uh, and the 2015 Marlins had less, 375 walks. Uh, and this was also the 10th, uh, wait, uh, I don't know how to. I wrote this. So bad, you, you're you're stunned. Yeah, oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what was the tenth lowest? All right. So the White Sox had the ninth lowest. Their 2023 was the ninth lowest walks in baseball history, uh, 377. Uh, third worst since 2000. Which season was the tenth lowest and fourth worst since 2000? Well, by sorry. context clues, I will guess that both of them are the White Sox. They are both the White Sox. Yes. But I, I think it was kind of a surprising year. Maybe. 2005. No. Oh, that would no. be surprising. That would be surprising. 2019, mm. uh, they had 378 walks. Uh, so uh, one loss, uh, one walk more, uh, the 2019 walk. I mean, is uh, that team. surprising? They lost well, 89 games. <laughs> right. But, like, if you told everyone before the season that they would be as bad as the 2019 team, like, I think that would be surprising. I, Very I, much so. I, again. Right now, I'll take that after seeing that season. Right. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think, like, that was supposed to be, like, the end of the bad years. Great year for Yohan Moncada, though. And it came, it just That's got bad That's won the batting title. Mm-hmm. And he walked what? is my guy. Thanks, Greg. And he walked what? Four, four, how many times did he walk that year, T.A., when he won the batting title? 
14, I want to say, maybe? It, if that. Yeah, yeah it was. He, he was just hitting, 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 and then hitting more. 15. 15. Yeah. Uh, he's never walked more than 30 times in a, in a season. Uh, he's the highest he's ever walked with was 30 when he played 153 games. That's the other thing, too. He doesn't play more than 150 games. I mean, that's the only time he's ever played more than 150. So um, That's not his MO. No, he likes playing 123 games. He's played 123 games in 2019, 2021, and 2023. I don't know why. Exactly 123. Every other year. In all of those games. Uh, very odd. Uh, odd year TA with his 123. All right. <laughs> Uh, let's get back into uh, some of these other stats, though. Uh, the White Sox put the uh, lowest amount of pitches in uh, the heart of the zone in play. Uh, they also faced the lowest amount of pitches in the heart of the zone. Uh, so just teams because teams know exactly they're going to swing at ones that aren't. You, you, right. you, you, you know all these other stats. That's exactly what these other stats are getting <laughs> at, too. Uh, they just know that they can just waste all those pitches, those chased waste zones that we like to, to bring up. You don't want to be in the chase waste. No, you don't. Uh, pitchers don't want to be, but you can live there when you are facing the Chicago White Sox because they stink. Um, and we make a lot about the ground ball rate. Uh, they had the second worst ground ball rate uh, in baseball in 2023. Uh, six worst expected weighted on base average on ground balls. Um, but uh, they had the fifth most ground balls on pitches in the heart of the plate. Ugh. And they had the fourth lowest slugging on pitches in the heart of the plate. Um, so again, just horrendous when you are getting complete meatballs. They are grounding them into the dirt. And they, as we know, balls that are in the dirt don't go for extra bases meaning you have a lower slugger slugging I mean, percentage, which is great. And I know they get so few in the heart of the zone, but it goes to back to some of the things that we've been talking about. When they're in advantageous counts like 3-0, 3-1, they're either taking these pitches or not offering at them with any authority. You've worked hard to get to these places, and then you either look at a fastball, just goes right past the plate, or you ground the ball off with the fifth worst in Major League Baseball and heart of the zone uh, pitches, that can't happen. You have to attack those. As Vinny said, this team was supposed to be a juggernaut for hitting home runs and putting the ball in the air. And one of the main culprits of that that didn't put the ball in the air is Aloy Jimenez. And when you do get those great counts, you have to punish the pitchers. And if they know that you're not going to do that, they can keep on throwing chase and waste pitches to you and you can keep on swinging and flailing at those and i think i found the answer uh th five players had uh on base percentage higher than uh, uh 330 for the giants mike yastrzemski michael conforto jock peterson wilmer flores and lamont wade jr and that's half your lineup that'd be awesome yeah, yeah. Um, What's six zero? Oh man! Right, right. so the Giants that. just dealt with a ton of injuries and a, a lot, when their guys were bad oh boy were they bad and that's how gabe kapler got fired um uh anyways and even uh, Farhan, right? Farhan got it removed? I don't think I so. so. Okay. I think he's still there. That's weird, then. I, I would have fired the GM before the manager in that case. All right. Uh, then final stats here. I, I like bringing up the heart, uh, shadow, chase, waste zone, especially when Vinny says it the way he does. Heart. Um, do you have that graphic, Greg? It was chase in Slack. and waste. Go check Slack. Just download it. It's okay. We have you fiber it. internet. It, it would take two seconds. Uh, oh boy, there you go. Uh, it's in it's in White Sox beat. Uh, but what I'm going to try to show you guys is just where the White Sox uh, ended up being in 2023 by attack zone. Um, heart of the plate again are pitches directly in the heart of the plate that are no doubt, without a doubt, strikes. Yes. Right, like whether it's Angel Hernandez or uh, a robot calling them. 
they are strikes. Shadows are some of those border edges uh, of the zone pitches uh, that could go either way. Chase are complete balls, and waste are, you know, compl- I mean, like over Nick Madrigal's head, basically. Um, in the heart of the plate, the White Sox had a negative 68.6 run value. Uh, that was 14th in Major League Baseball. In the shadow, uh, they had a negative 201 run value. That was 23rd in Major League Baseball. Chase, they had a 74 run value, which was positive. Go. Very yeah. hard to be under 100, though, in that category that I found out. The White Sox did it. They were the only team under 80, too. The worst. Um, yeah, maybe. they were the worst in baseball. <laughs> uh, and then in the waste zone, 92.1 run value. Uh, that was 24th in baseball. And then if you take in all the zones, uh, negative 103.7. That's a uh, the 28th worst in, in baseball for all of the zones. Uh, that you can even dream of uh, as a hitter. The one thing that's massively concerning, though, in the chase and waste, again, they're 30th in baseball and 24th in baseball. In 2022, their swing percent on pitches in the chase and waste zone were at 21.4%. In 2023, it went up by 1.4%. They basically saw the same amount of pitches 7,266 compared to 7,232, and they swung basically 150 more times out of pitches at the uh, uh, just completely out of the zone. And what's what's do you have league average? Do you have uh, what, good teams? I can get league do, average. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I, I, I know it's t- but like they were the leader. Like the worst oh, team yeah. in the past three years that swung at this many pitches were the Detroit Tigers in 2022. Uh, it, 1,656. The White Sox were six pitches behind it. Uh, there were only, since 2021, there have only been uh, two teams that have ever been over 7% of their pitches. Uh, like, you take out all the pitches that they've seen, 7% of the pitches were just swinging at pitches that were in the chase and waste zone. That were the 2022 Tigers and the 2023 White Sox. So they are they are in their own category. I can, I can look at the averages what? right now. But here's but. the thing. I guess my point was like, even though you can find that and tell me it and it'll reinforce what we're talking about. When you hear from the team's own manager, two different managers, by the way, that this is just a crippling problem. This is why the team doesn't score runs. This is what the is holding the offense back. Like, you, you know, you know, because because managers are not in the business of criticizing their own teams. They don't usually uh, they don't really want to go out and say, oh, well, we do this poorly. So other teams can say, oh, do you now? And then mm-hmm. come after you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying this because everybody knows it and everybody can see it. Uh, it's, it's, it's brutal. Uh, you know, you're, re- you're, you're putting it into number form. I can put it into anecdote form and in talking about when the managers say this stuff, it, it is a problem that is not gone away. And I'm talking about hearing it from Tony LaRusso, who hasn't been the manager now for 13 months. Statcast says over the past three seasons, 2021, 2022, 2023, that the league average swing percent on pitches in the chase and waste zone is 18.2%. The White Sox in 2022 were at 21.4, in 2023, 22.8. So yeah. no wonder those guys got fired. Yeah. I mean, they but stopped. they were doing it before those guys showed up. But and to be worse. fair, and to be fair, that was their job was to stop them from doing that. And when the one guy who stopped doing it stopped doing it, he turned Results. into an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. That's true. But also, was that guy always an MVP candidate, and no matter what team he played for, and no matter just when he played 150 games, that he was going to show that, hey, he's got a ton of power. Well, didn't you see a different hitter? 
Yeah, I mean, but again, remember like, what he looked like in April. But I just don't know if that's with reps. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's 30 more games that he got to play. And that's, you know, 30 more games where he got to be a little bit more comfortable. Like, I, I just don't know if that was just... With, with I thought the player was of, hitting the ball with a little bit more authority than he did before. I think I thought he worked on his plate discipline, and it showed. It's fair. I can look. Be good research for tomorrow. There you go. There we go. Who wants? <laughs> who wants another heart shadow chase waste oh, uh, graphic who, who tomorrow? All right, let's uh, flip the flip the back here and. Pokemon instruction card over and we'll get <laughs> see what we can get. Let's take a break and we'll talk about Larry Garcia. Um, Herb, what are you drinking? Uh, 312. Uh, You're not. Uh, neon beer hug. Usually it's a 312. <laughs> neon, neon beer hug from the folks at Goose Island. Thanks. Uh, there it is. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. And their beer roster includes not only the 312 Weed Ale that Herb brought up, but the Beer Hug family. Uh, you got the neon, you got the juicy, you got the hazy, you got the tropical. Uh, go try all of their flavors that Goose Island has. They got the October uh, Fest brew out as well and the Full Pocket Pills. So try all any of their ultra-fresh and brewery-exclusive beers at their Goose Island Original Brew House on Clyburn Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. And again, why not plug the tailgate again? Herb said all you can drink, or not Herb, um, Greg. Greg said all you can drink Goose Island at our tailgate. So why not you check that out uh, on October 15th or October 22nd. Also got Sweetwater Barbecue or Firewater Barbecue uh, that's going to be there. Um, So those are always great events, and Goose Island helps make those uh, even more special. And uh, what a perfect time for a diehard read as well. Uh, if you are a diehard, you get 20% off any events. Uh, so the tailgate's coming up on the 15th, 22nd. You go to allchgo.com uh, slash events. Go buy your tickets to any of the tailgates, whether it be on the 15th, 22nd. I think there's one on uh, November 9th as well. So make sure you're coming out and checking those out. Uh, if you aren't a diehard, when you do sign up, you get a box, uh, you get stickers, you get that box right there uh stickers you get a card and you get a free t-shirt as well uh we have dope merch for all the teams so you can go check out chgolocker.com see all the shirts that you can buy there's even some diehard exclusive ones uh greg has the meatball island shirt on i have that in sweatshirt form that's diehard exclusive uh so make you make sure you check that out and uh too if you are waiting for Connor bedard's debut uh we are we got you covered uh, we got pre and post game shows for all the teams, especially Blackhawks with Bedard's debut today. Uh, but when the Bulls get started, we'll have pre and post game shows for you then. Uh, we got premium written content for members at allchgo.com. And there's a members only discord. Uh, we open up the Monday mailbag and uh, hear from our discord members uh, then. But you can always chat with diehards alike uh, in the CHGO lounge. So uh, make sure you're signing up today at allchgo.com. And finally, we want to let you know about our friends over at Splash Sports. Uh, if you are sick of chasing down your friends for fees if you're sick of literally chasing yes they'll run away from you and you have to chase them down my friends are a lot faster than me so it's, it's usually it ends up with me being winded um but if you are sick of uh chasing people down with none of the reward because uh, again you're not fast enough you could sign you up don't to- have a net or you don't have a net, yes. <laughs> you can sign up to be a commissioner right now through our link and earn money for the contest you're already running with friends and family. CHGO has weekly pick X and NFL Survivor Contest for everyone to participate in for real money. So head to splashboards.com slash CHGO. The link is the description to sign up. You can deposit cash to get started. And it's just $10 to enter either. And CHGO's weekly pick X and NFL contest and uh, CHGO Survivor Contest are uh, running, again, uh, all throughout the year. The more who enter, the larger the prize. 
prize. So go sign up at splashboards.com slash CHGO. Uh, we'll have different contests coming out. So we are still stoked to compete with and against all of you. So be sure to check the link in the description or to type in splashboards.com slash CHGO. All right. Um, let's get into uh, reminiscing. Two years ago, it was the blackout game. Uh, the White Sox won 12 to 6. The second blackout game. The second. Yeah. Well, what was the first one? From 2008. 2008. Oh, right, right. Well, I guess, but the, the first one. one wasn't, you know, two years ago. Yeah. Um, what, are you against them bringing back the blackout? Yes. No, I'm just saying. No, yes. I'm not against I am. It's it's a singular event. It it's should have been. capital T, capital B, capital G, the it, blackout game. It should have been it. John Danks d- dealing versus the Minnesota Twins. Home run, Jim Tomey, game over. It's cool to do a blackout, but that's a lowercase b blackout. Okay. I mean, would you rather it be a whiteout game? Like, See, do they need ooh, to do a different color? Fun. See, look, when uh, Greg Braggs brought it up, all the Blackhawk game things are all about John Deggs in 2008. One, game 163. Okay. I mean. Alexei! I don't know. <laughs> <Sorry>. I, <laughs> whatever. I, it's, I think it was a good bit. I think it was a good shtick. It yeah, is. It they was. should. I, I, I think it should always be a Blackhawk game in the postseason. They, I don't disagree with you. But just remember, a blackout game, not the blackout game. All right, all right, all right. I guess I, guess I, I guess I understand what, what we're saying here. So it's like the, it was I don't and know, blackout game. I don't know if you remember when you were, I don't know if you caught the Bulls uh, championship years. They used no, to only wear black shoes alive. in the playoffs. Correct. Exclusively. Yes. Like they didn't wear them during the season. Now it's all messed up. Everybody wears the shoes. You can do that for the blackout game. Like the White Sox fans, every home game were black, which they have. It didn't work out too tough in game four of that year. But, you know, it worked out game three. Larry, good job. Yeah, and hey, uh, he is such a legend. Uh, I'll never forget that home run. Uh, and, I mean, that was a, that was a fun game. Oh I mean, God. you and I uh, were, were hanging out in the, the score, score studios. studios. Yeah. Chris Tannehill was there, too. And we were. you guys did a live Lockdown Sox uh, post-game show, and that was fun. And now that podcast doesn't even exist anymore. No? Look at that. Wow. I know my guy Nick left, but no one to, to fill no. in. We, we built up an empire, and then they just let it all crumble. Uh, but, yeah, we got uh, you know, Yimmy Garcia uh, giving up a homer to Liuri, Yasmani hitting a homer off Luis Garcia, um, and Michael Kopech got the win in that game, too. Like, that was a, a, a tough despite, game to remember. Despite not going very deep. Uh, well, no, but it was Kopech, uh, Kopech relief cease. Uh, oh, I cease, see what you're saying. Yes. Cease started, uh, ending in a third. Because it was 21. Yeah. Right. Uh, inning and a two-thirds, two hits, three earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts. Then Copa came in, two and a third, four hits, three earned runs, one walk, five Ks, one home run. And then Ryan Tapera with two shutout innings. Bummer with an inning and a half of shutout work striking off. Oh, wait. No, I guess that would be five batters. But he struck out four of the five that he faced off of. Kimbrell uh, got an out. And then uh, Liam Hendricks with a, with a shutdown inning as well. And then you'll remember what Ryan Tapera told us post game. No. That he, those are cheaters? He, yeah. Oh, he trashed he? the Astros for being quote-unquote cheaters, and then the next day uh, the Astros blew him out. Bludgeoned. And uh, <laughs> after the game, Correa was – or not Correa. He wasn't on the Astros. Or, yeah, he, he was. was. It, it was. was Correa. It yeah. was Correa. Correa was talking to Rosenthal or whoever was down there for the sideline reporting. He was like, yeah, we heard him. We got fired up because they called us cheaters. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Good job I mean, by Ryan Tepera. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't wrong. They were cheaters. Yeah, they were. probably still are. And mm. – and yet, backfired. <laughs> and yet, oh my God. they cheated, yet still, they're good at baseball. So, hey. Um, all right, let's... Uh, Tampura. <laughs> uh, let's get into uh, the, the 
most memorable debuts for for White Sox with Connor Bedard making his debut. Uh, then we'll wrap this show up. Uh, I, I know you brought up the Mankata one. I was there for the Kopech one that ended up being rained out and he didn't even finish the game. Is there any other debuts that stick out to you guys? Or do you, is there any ones that you want to expand on? I mean, there's ones I remember. The Cease debut on Fourth of Jul- and the doubleheader on 4th of July. Um, I believe they lost the game he started, but then they won the second one in the walk-off, didn't they? I think. Sounds real. I don't know. I mean... I'm having... Bad, bad go with the memory today. Uh, this, July third, it was a du- yeah. and uh, they won the first. They won the cease one. They won the game that he started yeah. and then lost the second one. I know it's a bad year, and I know that I've talked about this guy a lot. But what about our movie, the Zach Remillard movie, and his MLA debut, game tying hit, game winning hit? I think he's the only person in his. MLB debut to have both of those distinctions versus Seattle in Seattle. Sox won both those games, and Abreu walked off game two. I told so, you to walk off. Yeah, you're right, but you were just wrong that they lost the first one, so gotcha. they won both of them. All right, um, Herb. It's funny that you bring that up. Yes, because I was, I was, I went into the the database, and I looked up for players in their first career game who had the highest win probability added for an offensive player or for a pitcher. We don't remember 1928 and Bob Weiland who had the most impressive debut, nine shutout innings, seven hits allowed, five walks, nine strikeouts against the Philadelphia Athletics, um, getting a win on uh, September 30th. Mark Carmen was covering that game. Well, nothing. Yes, he was. <laughs> I, 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 I remember that. Um, a young Mark Carmen. Uh, he had the thing with the hat with said press, press on it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, see? How'd you do today? He had to phone in his copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> had to get to a pay phone. <laughs> Uh, but the second most uh, important debut or most you know impactful debut in White Sox history outside of Bob Weiland in 1928, Zach Remillard with a win probability added of .695, uh, basically doubling the second batter who was Johnny Callison at .334. So he absolutely wiped the competition. Uh, Zach Remillard had the most impressive debut. So Connor Bedard... Equals Zach Remillard. Boy, man, there you go. Oof. Sorry, Connor. Yeah, um, a lot of bunts. <laughs> a lot of bunts tonight. A lot of bunts from Connor Bedard. It's back. It's back. It. What's the equivalent of? Will never in let me produce this the equivalent. Show again. The the hockey equivalent of bunting. Bunts. Yeah, I guess, that's what, I guess clearing the ice. Yeah, yeah that's what he'll do tonight. Completely giving up just, possession and yeah. just, just sending just, it. Yeah. Send it to the other side for icing. Gordon Beckham's debut. Dump with no chase. Um, yeah, Beckham's debut was a big deal, but he he wouldn't like his like actual, how he did his actual day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's kind of the point, right? Is that like the, it's all about the hype for game one here, and I think you know it's 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 a guy who has to be big prospect, big young guy. That's like, hey, he's going to come here and be the savior. That's what we're all already calling Connor Bedard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I think that when you bring up Moncada and Kopech, I think those two names are equivalent. I obviously neither of those guys are getting. Quite the franchise-altering hype that Connor Bedard is. Maybe that's the sport more than anything. But um, yeah, I mean, like, when did? What about Frank's debut? It was in Milwaukee. He had a triple. Um, Frank had the. Uh, if you were looking at top twenty debuts, pretty exciting. Uh, uh, the players with over uh, a point of win probability added in their debut. Uh, Matt Skull's twentieth. I know you guys were asking Matt about Skull. Matt Skull. I remember him. Nineteenth uh, is some guy named Frank Thomas. I don't. And I don't, I don't know if he was any good. 15th was Jose Abreu. Uh, 10th was Gavin Sheets. 
Eighth, Miguel Olivo. Fourth, Daryl Boston. Those are kind of the, the the bigger names. Craig Wilson also on the list. Oh, I remember 14. number 28, Craig Wilson. Fred brings up a good guy. Wilson Alvarez in his White Sox debut threw a no-hitter in Baltimore. But he was already a uh, He already pitched. Yeah, he already pitched yeah. one in in for the Texas Rangers. That doesn't count. But that was his actual White Sox debut. That though. doesn't count. Why not? Because it's debut. Ugh. First career game. First career game. That's the whole point. Connor, De Bar- Connor Bedard did not play for the, the New York Rangers. Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he played for the Regina Pets. Beckham went two and twenty-eight, two for 28 in his first few games. That's good. That's that's a good way to start off your career. And then he um, started crushing that year. Playing third base. That, that was the only too. time he crushed in his career. Um, anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox po- uh, I was gonna say post-game show uh, podcast. That's Vinny Duber. Make sure you read his brand-new article up at allchgo.com. Uh, uh, he published it today. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at ActorWall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to everyone for hanging out with us. And thank you to Greg, Ra- Greg Braggs for producing the show. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs-up button on your way out. And uh, tune in to the Connor Bedard Show later tonight on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Uh, goodbye. We all silly like the mayor.